Sometimes it's difficult to distinguish between a goal and a purpose. Goals are things that we do or wishes of things that we hope to accomplish. But a purpose is what we accomplish through the goals that we set. So a purpose is a little more important than a goal leading up to achieving that purpose. A good example of this is a young lady named Madeline Dorado. Madeline Dorado. Now, Madeline is an Olympic swimmer. She swam for the U.S. Olympic team in 2016. But she tried out for the Olympics in 2012 and barely missed being in. She thought about giving up her swimming career, but her coach encouraged her to try once again. She made the Olympic team, and she, she uh, swam in four events, a couple of relay races and a couple of single races that she participated in. Madam was interviewed by Yahoo Sports about uh, being on the Olympic team, and this is what she said. I don't think God really cares about my swimming very much. It's not my end purpose to make the Olympic team. And then they said, well, what do you think God cares about? As she prepared for the Rio game, she said, I think God cares about my soul and whether I'm bringing his love and mercy into the world. Can I be a loving, supportive teammate? Can I bless others around me? And in the same way, uh, God has blessed me and been so generous to me. You see, that was her purpose. And she later said that her purpose was to use the goal of making the Olympics to have a broader platform to be able to show more love of God to people in the world. She, her purpose was much greater than her goals. You know, goals are important. But when we have the right purpose, it can be life-changing for each one of us. You know, sometimes when you don't have a purpose, life can be pretty boring. It can be uh, kind of tough. Um, John Miller went to a prayer breakfast, sat with some guys he had never met before, businessmen in the community. They were all nearing retirement age, and the subject of retirement came up. Uh, I think about this a lot because it's getting closer for me. And one of the guys said, well, my wife and I had a discussion about retirement just this morning. And he said, what did you discuss? And he said, well, my wife asked me what was I going to do when I retired. And I told her I was going home, I was going to sit in my recliner, and I was going to watch TV all day, every day. Well, John looked at the guy and he said, you'll be dead in a year. And he said, how's that? And John said, because if the sedentary lifestyle doesn't kill you, your wife will. Now, I got a recliner. I'm not thinking about sitting in that recliner all day, every day, just watching TV. But I will tell you this, I got this new fancy recliner. It's got buttons on the side. You can push a button, and it'll raise the feet up. Push another button that presses on your back and helps that lumbar situation. Press another one that's got a pillow in the top of it. Raise your head up a little bit. It is so nice. But it's got one button on it. You push it, and it sits you back up, and everything goes back to normal. And, and that's pretty cool until the doorbell rings, and you push that button, and you have to wait 30 seconds for it all to get back where you can get out of it. But I've also discovered if my wife needs me to do something, 
and I'm reared back in that recliner, she just pushes that button and it, it throws me out of the recliner. And I think there's also a secret button on there. And that button is, it lets her know when I sit down in the recliner. And that's when she starts thinking about stuff I ought to be doing. But anyway, we need a purpose in life. And just to sit in a recliner is not a very good purpose. So we're continuing our series today called Why? And these are some questions that I thought about while I was laid up in the hospital bed. Last week we talked about why is there suffering and pain and evil. You can watch that on, the, uh, on our website if you missed it last week. And think about that. I promise today's not going to be as long as last Sunday's sermon was unless the Holy Spirit comes in here and takes over. But probably won't be. But we need to think today about purpose. And so I, I raise this question. Why was I put here on this earth? Why was I put here? Was I put here so I could accomplish my desires and my dreams and my goals? Or was I put here on this earth for something greater than that? Does God have something bigger than me in mind for my life? Does God want to work in me? Is there something that he wants me to do. Is there a purpose? You know, you think about it for just a minute. You may say, well, I could never do anything significant for God. Well, maybe that's where he wants you. Because he wants you to see where he can take you and what he wants to do. And he wants you to think about his dreams and his desires for this world and his kingdom. God does have something in mind for each of us. And sometimes he wants us to totally say to ourselves, I can never do this, but only with the help of God can I accomplish what he is he has for me to do. So I want you to think about, why am I here? Not me, you. Think about why are you here on this earth. And turn to Colossians chapter 1 with me today. Uh, we're going to look at this letter. This is one of Paul's prison letters. He was in jail in Rome for preaching the gospel. Uh, the Jews had accused him falsely and had him sent to prison. And as he's there, uh, this, uh, this guy from Colossae comes with some questions. Thus the letter to the Colossians. There was some, some bad stuff happening in Colossae. There were some heretical teachings that had crept into the church that were coming in. And this heresy uh, was later called Gnosticism, uh, which is, comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. And this guy, Epaphras, had started the church. Paul had converted him to Christianity. And he had started the church in Colossae, and now they were having trouble. And so he needed some help from the Apostle Paul. And so Paul writes this letter back to the church, refuting the heresy of Gnosticism. He begins his letter with an introduction, as he always does, with a little prayer, and then with some encouragement for the church. But in verse 15, this is what he writes. The Son, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority. All things, now I want you to get this next phrase, have been created 
through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood on the cross. Now, you look at that and you might say, well, this is going to be a sermon about Jesus and what all he did. But really, I want you to go back to that phrase and think about what he said, through him and for him. And as we think about that, we're going to look a little deeper. We want to make sure that we see what God wants us to see in this little phrase right here. You know, often uh, we don't see things as they really are. Uh, John Smith was walking along the beach and he found a conch shell and he took that shell home and he put it on a nightlight and put it in his hallway at home. His wife hated it. It was ugly. But John thought it was beautiful. His wife thought it was ugly. And so he left it up and she said, I don't want it there and it's going to be gone eventually. Well, they were having a yard sale in a few weeks and that was the first thing she got to put in the yard sale. And while they were at the yard sale, this lady walked up and saw the shell and she picked it up and looked at it. She laid it back down, went and looked at other stuff. Then she came back and picked it up again, looked at it and laid it down, looked at some other stuff, picked it up a third time. He thought, wow, she's really, she thinks it's beautiful too. And she's going to buy it. And she held on to it and brought it over to pay for it. And John said, ma'am, this will look gorgeous in your house. She said, I'm not buying that for my house. My bridge club is having a charity auction, and they told us to bring the most hideous thing we could find. <laughs> and sometimes you need a reality jolt to help you see that your thinking is wrong. And if you think God doesn't want to use you, if you think God doesn't have a purpose for you, your thinking is wrong. Because He wants you. He wants you in His church. He wants you in His kingdom. God has something in store for you and so I want us to think through this passage for just a minute. The first thing I want you to see is that God created all things through Jesus. You know, go back to that phrase at the end of verse 16. All things were created through Him. That's Jesus. And you say, how, how is it that God created through Jesus all these things? How did He do that? Well, if you go back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis 1, you see... God spoke creation into being. It says in there, and God said, let there be light. Now, how do you say things? You use words. Go with me to the first chapter of the book of John. John chapter 1, first four verses. And listen to this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is this life and this light. He is the Word. It becomes a little more clear if we go to the first chapter of Hebrews, and the first few verses there. It says, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, 
whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. In John 1 verse 14 it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The glory, uh, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. You see, the word became flesh in Jesus Christ. And so that's how God created the universe through his Son. Jesus is God in the flesh. He is the one that came to save us. He reveals God to us. I hope you see why Jesus is so special. Uh, despite the brokenness of this world, He came to reconcile us back to God so that we can have the right relationship with us. So God created all things through Jesus. Secondly, I want you to see that everything is created for His purpose. We go back to that question we asked in the beginning. Why was I put here on this earth? Verse 16, all things have been created through Him and for Him. You were created for Jesus Christ, for Him. It's amazing how a short phrase can have meaning if we really pay attention to it. And this little short phrase is just packed full of meaning. But some people will not listen very carefully. They won't hear the words. They won't think about what's being said, and they'll miss the point. I'll give you a good example. There was a city slicker. He was driving through the country in East Tennessee. And he looked up and he saw this beautiful horse. And he thought, I always wanted a horse. That's the most beautiful horse I've ever seen. I'm going to buy that horse. I don't care what it costs. I'm going to get it. So he sees the farmer. He steps out and goes up to the farmer. And he says, I want to buy that horse. I'll give you $1,000 for it right now. And this old farmer, you know, from East Tennessee, he said, well... I don't think I really want to sell that horse. No, no, no. He said, I'm going to, I want to buy that horse. I'll give you $1,000 right now. Please let me have it. He's beautiful. And the farmer said, well, in his East Tennessee way, that horse, he don't look too good. And the guy said, well, he looks beautiful to me. I want to buy that horse. And the farmer said, now listen, that horse, he don't look too good. And so the man bought the horse. He said, I'll give you 2000 And the farmer agreed. Can't turn down $2,000 for that old horse. So the next day, the city slicker comes back and said, You ripped me off. You sold me a blind horse. The farmer said, Now wait a minute. I told you that horse don't look too good. <laughs> so you know, you've got to hear the words. You've got to understand what's going on. And in this little phrase, For him... You've got to understand, you were created. You were put here on this earth for Jesus Christ. That's why you're here. That's why you were put here. We were created for Jesus. Everybody. Now, we learned last week, and we studied about free will, which free will says, yep, God has called you for his purpose, but you don't have to follow that. You can go the way you want to go. You don't have to believe in Jesus. You don't have to believe in God. You don't have to do anything that He tells us to do because He created you with free will. But when you don't go the way God wants you to go, you're outside the will of God. You fall into sin. 
and you go in the wrong direction. It's not what you were created for. You know, I brought up here this, uh, this old guitar. Uh, it's not an old guitar. This was my dad's guitar. And uh, I could play it for you, but it's probably out of tune. But anyway, I don't play it very much. Every now and then I'll pick it up and play a song. It is a, a beautiful guitar. In fact, it is a Martin guitar. Probably all these guitars up here are Martins. They're supposedly the best guitars built in the world. And they're really nice. And they got that little line down the back that helps you know it's a, it's a Martin. And in fact, this one has a price tag on it still. Uh, my dad paid $1,414 for this little guitar. Because he always wanted a Martin. He always had cheaper guitar. You know, you can get a guitar for $59. Uh, but it's not a Martin. It won't have the tone and the sound of this guitar. But suppose I took this guitar home to my house and I set it out in the front yard and put flowers in it and just left it out there as a, as a planter in my front yard. Well, that's not the purpose of a guitar. You see this one? It's old. It's beginning to get banged up. It's just laying out in the grass. And eventually what's going to happen? It's going to rot. It's going to fall apart. And it won't be useful for anything then, except fertilizer for the worms. You know, you don't use something, what it was created for, it loses its purpose, and it eventually, it goes away. You were created to serve Jesus. You were created for His purpose. God created you through Jesus. You were created for Jesus. But listen to this. He desires everyone to engage in his body, the church. That's part of your purpose. Jesus wants all to become part of his body. That is the church. It is the kingdom of God. It is the community of the saved. Verse 18 says, He is the head of the body, the church. Now, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 for just a minute. Here, again, the Apostle Paul is writing to a church in Corinth, and he talks to them about the Spirit of God, that each person who commits his life to Christ receives the Holy Spirit, and along with that Holy Spirit, the Spirit gives you gifts, spiritual gifts that you can use to serve the kingdom of God. And each person, it says, gets one. Verse 4 says there are different kinds of gifts. Verse 7 says, To each one a manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That means each of us gets a spiritual gift that we can use in the kingdom. The spiritual gifts are listed in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 here, and Ephesians chapter 4. Here's, here's a list from the Bible. Administration, discernment, encouragement, evangelism, faith, giving, helping, knowledge, leadership, mercy, prophecy, service, shepherding, teaching, and wisdom. All of those are listed in the Bible as spiritual gifts. And each one of you, if you're a follower of Christ, has one of those gifts that Jesus wants you to use for Him. So you have this gift. Now, if you don't know what your gift is, Matt Mosier is our youth minister, but he's also our connection minister, and he can help you get connected to what your spiritual gift is. He has an inventory that you can go through and answer some questions. It'll help you come to, to see what your spiritual gifts are. You may have more than one. You probably do that you can use 
in the kingdom. Every time I take that gifts inventory, my gifts come out as administration, leadership, and teaching. And those are the gifts that I use primarily here as a minister here at Central Christian Church. But listen to what he says now. Just as a body, the one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. He's saying in the body of Christ, there's a lot of parts. They all form one body, but we need all these parts. And he goes on to talk about. Now, if the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And he goes on and he says, if, if everybody was an eye, how could we hear? And if everybody was an ear, how could we smell? He said, we need all these different parts. In fact, verse 18 says, but in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted to be. If, if you're here part of this church and you feel like God had led you here to this church, guess what? He wants you to be part of this body. And he wants you to have a function in this body. Verse 21 says, The eye cannot save the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot save the feet, I don't need you. You see, we need all the parts. None of them are more important than any of the others. We need all the parts to make the body work right. You know, when your knee hurts... Your body don't work right, it's, it makes you grumpy, and you're not good. When something is missing, the body cannot function in the total way it was created to do. Now, verse 27, we're going to put that up on the screen. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. If you call yourself a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a part of the body of Christ, and He has something for you to do in his kingdom. Now, sitting here, I know probably online we have many shut-ins who say, what can I do? I can't even leave the house. There's still stuff you can do. God understands you can't make it out to church, and God sympathizes with you. In fact, most of the shut-ins that I talk to, you know what they tell me? Oh, I long to be back at church. I wish I could get out and come and be there in the fellowship and be serving. They long to. But you know, we have many people that come and they don't serve at all in any way. And we have people that don't even come anymore since COVID. And they would tell you right up front, yeah, I'm a believer. I just don't need church anymore. That's not what Jesus says. We need to be part of the body of Christ. And that includes the fellowship. In fact, the Bible says, don't give up meeting together. But all the more as you see the day approaching, that's the return of Christ. And Christ wants you to be part of his body and to come, and, and to serve, and to be part of the functioning of the church. Jesus longs for you to be engaged in his church. But you know what? So many people are enticed away by the world. You know, they have this mindset, well, I'm saved, I believe in Jesus, so what do I need to go be part of that for? Because you were created for him. Soren Kierkegaard was a Christian man and a philosopher back in the 19th century. And he gives this parable to help us kind of understand this. He talks about a lily, a beautiful lily. This lily was gorgeous, more gorgeous than any other lily. And it was planted by a little brook in a little humble setting, and there it lived. 
and all of its glory and all of its beauty. But one day a bird came along and landed close to the lily and started talking to the lily. And the bird said to the lily, you know what, you're missing out. There's so much more to this world than just this little piece of land. Why, this is nothing compared to the places I've been, the scenes that I've seen, the things that I've done, and you can do them too. But you have to leave this place and you have to go out and see what's going on. There are even flowers that are more beautiful than you are. And so the lily began to ponder that and the lily began to get depressed. Look, at there must be places where Things are having way much more fun than I am and doing more than I am and, and maybe I do need to go. And day after day, the bird came back with stories of what lied beyond this little peaceful place where it was so serene and he had everything he needed, all the nourishment to be beautiful. But the lily became discontent. He became down on himself and thought, maybe I'm not so beautiful after all. And the bird, finally, they worked a plan that the bird was going to come and, and dig him up and put him under his wing and take him away. And the day came, and the bird pecked around, took the lily, uh, put him under his wing. The roots were hanging out the back, and as they flew along, the wind caused the water to evaporate from the roots, and the lily died. Never to see all this grandeur stuff that the bird had talked about. You know what? God created you to be rooted in Christ. And if you don't stay rooted in Christ, His body, His church, one day you're just going to fade away like the lily. But God looks down at you and He sees a beautiful creature. In fact, when you're serving Him, He sees a glorious creature, the most beautiful that could ever be. And when you figure out what God's purpose is for you and you're serving His kingdom, why, not only are you glorified, but He is glorified. You were created to be rooted in Christ and to serve Him to advance His kingdom. Here's our connection point. My purpose, your purpose, is to discover how God desires to use me and to follow through. Again, I ask you, why am I here? Why are you here? You're here for Christ's purpose to worship and to serve Him and to be part of His body, to be His hands and His feet and His eyes and His ears. You know, a few years back, there was a, a lady and her husband who planted a church. Her name was Karen Miller. And Karen and her husband, John, planted this church. But they started to realize if they were going to grow, they needed more leaders in the church. And so they started to look at the people and see, who can we develop? Who, who's got leadership qualities and skills that we can use in our church to grow it? You know, they didn't have to be over anything great. They just needed people to do ordinary things and, and be leaders of little things around the church. And one day, Karen was watching, and this older retired lady named Irene was setting up communion and she noticed that she set up communion. She was particular about how everything was done. And then she started cleaning up around the stage before the service started, the other areas of the church. And then she noticed this lady, and she went to other volunteers and said, Hey, do you have everything you need today? Can I help you get something? Are you able to do your job? Is there any way I can help you? And she'd go from station to station in the church, and all of a sudden, Karen said, that lady's got leadership skills. 
And she pulled her off to the side and she said, Irene, do you know you have leadership skills? And Irene said, no, I'm just a simple retired lady and I'm just serving the church here as the best I know how. Yeah, but you have leadership skills. No, I don't have any. She said, but Irene, would you be willing to help us at our banquet we're holding for the Rwanda mission that we support? They need money to build an orphanage and a dorm, and we're going to have a banquet to raise money for that. And Irene said, yeah, I'll help. She had plenty of time. And so Irene just kind of took over. She did have leadership skills. In fact, she went and found a banquet hall that they gave them for free to use for this banquet. Then she found a caterer to cater it that gave them a huge discount price to support the mission. And she found some volunteers to help. And before long, she had led this whole establishment of this banquet. And that night of the banquet, they had 200 people come in. They raised enough money to build the first school and the first dorm. And then they decided they were going to do this every year. And so Irene headed it up every year. And every May, they would have this banquet and they would raise money to give to this Rwandan mission school and dormitories that help the orphans in Rwanda. Well, Irene passed away. And the head of the mission for Rwanda took the money from the last banquet that they had, built a dorm, and dedicated it to Irene. But then he also told the church, he said, you know what? For the last years that Irene has been doing this banquet, this banquet supported our mission with one-third of our annual budget every year. We could not have existed had Irene not held that banquet every year. Here's this little lady that thought that she couldn't do anything, she didn't have any leadership skills, but God led her to a purpose that wound up changing the lives of orphans all over Rwanda. I don't know if God wants you to lead a banquet, but I do know God wants you to do something. He has something in mind for you to do. And so today, this is a challenge. I want you to start to answer that question, why am I here? Because God wants you to answer that question. And just take those words with you, for Him. For Him. Let's pray. God, we thank you today for Jesus and what he means to us. Lord, he saved us. He brought us out of the miry muck and, and has lifted us up to be part of the community of the saved, the church, the kingdom of God. But Father, he desires for us to be there for him, to serve him, to worship him, to be his hands and feet as we go about our business. So I pray that you would show every one of us what our purpose is that we would set some goals that would help us achieve that purpose. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus, I lift it up to you today. Amen.